Hey there, welcome back. Let's see what's going on in Marty's Touch. <clears throat> Thanks for like 115k, man. Um, hmm. Oh man, what's going on? Live Michael Cohen reacts to Trump arrest and arraignments streamed 10 days ago. Sure, this will be good. Hi everyone, Mark Barden here at Sandy Hook Thomas. <sighs> On December 14, mm. 2012. Welcome to Political Beatdown with Michael Cohen and Ben Micellis. We are here on this incredibly, incredibly historic day. We saw the arraignment of Donald Trump. We broadcast live right here on the Midas Touch Network. We saw Donald Trump enter the courthouse. We saw Donald Trump think that he was going to get this hero's welcome. He did not. There was very few people out there at all. Um, Donald Trump refused to speak to the media once he was inside. He then went to the courtroom where he was arraigned. Um, the 34 felony uh, counts were read to him, and uh, Michael Cohen, your name appears in the very first uh, paragraph of the indictment. Um, so I want to get your response to everything that's... Well, first of all, before we even start getting to the indictment, yesterday, you all, you may recall, from the moment he left Mar-a-Lardo, so the second that he landed and was placed in, you know, his property over on Fifth Avenue. I mean, literally, coverage. Coverage as if you were talking about some dignitary coming in to New York on behalf of God knows what. It's almost, to me, it looked like it was Caesar returning from, you know, from victory, from war. Well, at the end of the day, today is what happened. And you're right, there was basically nobody there whether it was from Florida all the way to New York, the biggest group of people that were in front of Fifth Avenue, in front of the Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue, Reporter. was the press pool. I mean, that was pretty deep with the cameras and people that were standing because you have the cameraman, you have the, the guy with the microphones, and you had the journalist. That was pretty significant. But at the end of the day, you're right. Nobody really cared. Nobody was really curious to see Donald. He certainly didn't get the hero's welcome that he thought he was going to get. And today, yeah. look, you know, I said it last time, Ben, that we were on uh, together talking about this. I'm somewhat mixed in my emotions. I can't tell you the number of people who emailed and texted me today about how do you feel? How do you feel? Well, I don't know. Uh, look, obviously, I'm... Um, I'm glad that accountability appears to be had today simply because Donald was put before a judge for his own alleged dirty deeds. And basically what it shows the American people is that regardless of who you are, rich or poor, powerful or not, that the justice system seems to want to make a comeback. Let's not forget. You know, we're still making a comeback, thanks to, of course, the Trump administration, Bill Barr, and others. So that, for that, I'm glad, but sad for the United States. You know, I have relatives that live outside the country, and they were like, yeah, it was 
after to see the President of the United States walking into a courthouse and photos then being shown of a former President of the United States waiting to appear before a judge for an arraignment. I mean, it's a sad day for the president, for the office of the presidency. And for that, I am saddened. I really am truly saddened. So let's just walk through the events of today, you know, and let's start off with this Marjorie Taylor Greene protest that she tried to coordinate. It was a complete and utter failure. She got what I warmly refer to as a New York welcome. And here is Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me just show you her um, arriving. And this is all of the people like, like whistling and she quickly left. Like she was there for maybe two or three um, you know, minutes, um, realized there was like nobody there supporting her so-called protest. But let's play this clip. I, th I think we've got it. Then we have uh, George Santos. Let me show you Santos arriving. And then I want to show you another clip, Cohen, and get your overall reaction. We'll, we'll take this bit by bit of what took place today. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it, too. So, so here's Santos arriving. show you one more clip because then Santos left right away. Let me show you Santos leaving the same way we just saw the clip of Marjorie Taylor Greene leaving. Then I want to throw it to you and get your reaction to this circus that they tried to create, but they utterly failed that. Then we'll move on to Trump's arrival, but let's play Santos. He shows up and then this is what happens next. Then this is what happens next. I, I'm doing nothing. I'm leaving. Are you coming back at all later? Today? No, because you guys make it unbearable to be here. Why are you here then? Uh, in the sports president, but. 
What's your overall response there, Coach? Well, we have to first start with Marjorie Taylor Greene somehow becoming the sweetheart of the of Congress right now, and I truly don't understand. I really don't understand. Maybe that sort of stupidity works well in the 14th district there in Georgia, but it's not going to work here well in New York. First of all, nobody really here in New York gives a shit about her. And her coming here thinking that she's going to be some sort of a major disruptor. I mean, she was already warned by Mayor Adams, tread very lightly here in New York, because if you don't, right, we don't put up with that sort of nonsense. And good for Mayor Adams for that. Well, with that, she then goes ahead and she decides that she's now going to counter what she said. As long as it's going to be peaceful, right? That's the whole point. And at the end of the day, thank God it was peaceful, that we didn't see the result that everybody had feared so much, not just in New York, but in the country. Holy shit, if Donald Trump gets indicted, if Donald Trump has to go to the court for an arraignment, right? It's going to be blood in the street. Why? Why does everybody think this? Because that's what Donald was calling for. When he turned around, he said it's going to be violence and it's going to be mayhem. It's going to all the all the wonderful words that Donald Trump likes to use that implies um, that type of behavior. Well, at the end of the day, there wasn't. All right. And especially it wasn't going to happen in New York. I've said it on so many different television shows. You know, our New York police officers. I mean, New York Police Department is like an army in and of itself. We have the finest trained police officers in the country, in the world. And nobody, they, look, they've already, they already saw what happened in D.C. And it's sad because D.C. is also a very fine, you know, police department. But they didn't have the benefit of knowing the chaos that this group can sow. The New York Police Department was certainly um, ready, willing, and able to do what was necessary to ensure that peace is maintained during this time period. And you know what? Good for them. Good for the police chief. Good for every single officer in blue here in New York. And for that, we thank you. From the bottom of our political beatdown hearts, we thank you for all that you've done today. So then Donald Trump shows up to be arrested. Now, he had the option of having a more low-profile arraignment that could have been done on Zoom. He didn't have to show up, but he thought in his mind there was going to be this scene outside of, of his cult followers cheering him on. He envisioned that he was going to climb the stairs and wave to everybody and have this moment, but he did not have that moment. There was really nobody out there. I mean, you had a few weirdos holding up like Herschel Walker signs, which I don't even understand. Um, but then Donald Trump shows up um, to get arrested. And you'll see he kind of looks to the side to see if anybody's there supporting him. He, he sheepishly waves when he sees there really isn't anyone. And then he goes in to be arrested. So let's play this clip of him entering the courtroom for the first time. Place um, right behind where um, I'm standing now, a massive motorcade. Obviously, um, the Secret Service, the motorcade as well, getting into formation for a former president stepping out of his vehicle. Um, you see the Secret Service now stepping outside, taking a look around. Massive Secret Service presence all along um, the street here. We're just awaiting him um, to step outside his vehicle once they have a handle of um, the security here. And then you see the former president there stepping out of his vehicle. He gave a wave 
um, to the crowd here, making his way um, into the building in which he'll be fingerprinted. And now know, uh, Katie, he will not, in fact, um, have a mugshot taken of him. A wave, but a very serious look uh, for Donald Trump as he makes his way into that building uh, for what we have accurately described as a very... Alone and deflated, he sheepishly waves and heads in where he gets fingerprinted, he gets arrested. Um, but what do you make of just that entrance? I'm going to show you what happens next. Before, what do you we make even, of before we even get to Donald's big arrival, you know, there's still the whole George Santos, you know, debacle. The fact that this ass clown is still a member of Congress, the fact that Marjorie, look, it's not my right to say I don't live in the 14th district there of, of Georgia and I don't live in the district of Santos, but as a lifelong New Yorker, I am blown away that New Yorkers fell for that jerk off. Why he has not been um, thrown out, it makes no sense to me. Uh, there, there are so many things that they can do that have not been done. Rest assured, no matter whatever happens, he is a one-term um, member of Congress. It, it doesn't make a difference if he ended up using Bloomberg money in order to try to run again. It wouldn't matter if he spent presidential money in order to run for that district. He has no shot at winning. He has been outed as the bullshit artist, you know, that he is. And so much even more, so much even worse. You know, the one thing I did want to talk about is as I was listening, I was unfortunately I was in the car when this was happening. I had something personal to take care of. And it was many hours outside of New York. So. I've spent most of the day in a vehicle today driving. And as I was listening to the news, I'm listening to a whole slew of people. And once again, we get to these, these pundits who basically have to say something. Now, I expect the stupidity from the far right. I expect the Foxes, the OANs, the Newsmax to make the same stupid comments. But then again, I'm listening to, for example, like CBS and, you know, the reporter that's told me to go, well, you know, it's going to be a very difficult case for the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, because Cohen is a convicted liar. And yes, I've acknowledged every single time that I've been on any program. I did it on Ari Melber last night. And I turned and said, yes, I did. I pled guilty. But you have to finish the sentence and you have to know what it was that I pled guilty to. And again, just for the brigade, I'm going to just repeat myself. I, what I did, I lied at the direction of, in coordination with, and for the benefit of one man, and that was Donald J. Trump. And what was the big lie? The big lie was the number of times I said that I spoke to Donald at, you know, regarding the failed Trump Tower real estate Moscow project. I stated, which is what he and others wanted me to say, I said three that I spoke to Donald three times about the failed project, when in fact I spoke to him about it 10 times. Now, I wanna be clear about something. If Alvin Bragg and his team of highly skilled prosecutors thought for a second, a split second, that this would be a problem, rest assured, Alvin Bragg would not have brought this case. But as you said before, I think I'm in like the first paragraph of the indictment and then throughout it all together. So while these 
ass clowns want to sit there and think that they're saying something which is controversial so that they can get some, you know, click, you know, some clicks on their um, or some likes on their Instagram or whatever other social media shit that they do. It's not going to work. This case, it doesn't just hinge solely on me. Yeah, I may be the key witness. I may be a top priority witness. There are other witnesses, too. There's also documentation. There's all sorts of documentary evidence that will ultimately be presented to the jury and, to, of course, to the judge. And a decision will be made. And it will be made on the evidence, not on what I'm saying. It's going to be based upon the evidence, as well as the corroborating testimony of others. So all these people who want to sit there and call me a liar, you're fooling. You're fooling yourselves into a false narrative that Donald Trump is going to escape this. Very much like the same stupidity that he tried to fool you with when he said that he was going to be arrested last Tuesday. Well, we all know how that worked out. In fact, the only thing that worked out is he ended up raising money off of that fake Tuesday arrest, that fake Tuesday indictment. We all know that didn't happen. Now, I'll tell you something else that I said on Melbourne the other night. I don't believe Donald raised $7 million either. And I would like, if, if I'm wrong, show us. Show us. Put the, put the numbers out, including who are the stupid people that would be making these sort of numbers. But the truth is, just like what he did with the veterans, didn't raise $6 million. Of course, he says what he wants to say. And in this case, he thought it would help to drum up the support that look how many people are angered. Look how many people are pissed off that I'm being indicted uh, and, and so on. And now they're throwing money at me in order to defend this thing and so on and so forth. When at the end of the day, it's just not true. And if those numbers and if that document never comes out, you'll see once again, I'm pretty sure that I'm correct because history with Donald Trump always repeats itself. Speaking of that, before he was arrested, he posted on his social media platform. He was like, wow, I'm going to be arrested today. This is what he said as he headed into uh, the courtroom. He goes, heading to lower Manhattan, the courthouse seems so surreal. Wow, they are going to arrest me. Can't believe this is happening in America. Then he goes, MAGA, exclamation point. And then he sends out a fundraising email to all of right. his cult members right after with a fake mugshot this is not just for everybody watching this is not a real mugshot of him there was no mugshot taken uh if you zoom in on it or you just people just looking closer on the photo uh it has him at the height of six foot five he's not six five like the guy lies about everything and he's selling not guilty t-shirts and it says not guilty do you stand with president trump friend please make a contribution of whatever 47 dollars or more and it's all coordinated. But and, and as that happens, he is arrested, though, this Tuesday. He's arrested Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. He goes in, he gets fingerprinted, he gets booked, um, and things get real. You know, he was supposed to come out and give a, and speak to the press. Fox had a little booth ready for him. And this was what happened on Fox as Donald Trump left from the room after being formally arrested, uh, after... Uh, that took place after being fingerprinted here. Watch what happens on Fox. This was this happened live on Fox Play.
So let's not forget that Alvin Bragg uh, not only is he setting precedent for bringing criminal charges for the very first time in this nation's history against a former president, but he's taking a case, uh, and this is the uh, hush money that was paid to Stormy Daniels back in 2016, just before the election. He's taking a case that the feds said they wouldn't prosecute. Here comes the former president. Let's just listen into this. President Trump, will you come speak to us, President Trump? And he went right into the courtroom. We thought that he was going to come up to that camera, but uh, change of plans to what we had been advised. And uh, he just walked straight in there. So again, uh, we are told that there is a still photographer who is in the courtroom. Who and Colin, I don't know if you caught this, but did you see the police officer there who just let the door close shut on Donald Trump and did not? There it is right there in, in slow motion. Boom. <laughs> And, um, you know, I, I forget who it was on Twitter who commented about the contrast. You remember when Donald Trump was with NATO and he, like, pushed aside one of the other prime ministers so he could get the good photo and shoved him away? You know, you juxtapose that image to Donald Trump being arrested and the NYPD officer just saying, sorry, open the door for yourself, idiot. Um, what do you, before getting into what happened? So the one the thing that I will turn around and say is I've seen that mug before. I've seen that sourpuss on, uh, more than, more than one occasion. And I can tell you something, uh, that's not the look of a happy man. And in all fairness, he shouldn't be happy. Again, this is a very somber day for America when a former president of the United States is indicted the first time in the United States' history. And that shit's being televised all around the world. Um, you know, that certainly doesn't help to bolster America's standing. Um, it's, it's, like I said, it's a somber day, but it's also a day, and I, saw, and I did hear this as well. Um, I think it was on uh, MSNBC, they were doing something on the radio, again, because I was in the car. And I was listening, they were talking about uh, the Southern District of New York and Department of Justice. And we should definitely um, pull that up and figure out you know, exactly what they were referring to, because I believe that they were referring to, for example, Trump's DOJ and Bill Barr and the fact that um, accountability truly matters. And Cohen, so he was at that point, we're going to talk about what happened in the courtroom in a moment, but lots of the press, including Fox, I think they were tipped off that he was going to speak at that moment. They were waiting for him to, you, you heard well, of the... Of course they were told. They, they were told by his people, make sure that there's a stanchion over there and that there's a podium for me to speak. And I'll give, you know, some exclusive to Fox um, and to Newsmax, OAN, whatever, if they were coordinating on a feed. And I think... I think this the better of um, the better of Donald finally came out and he realized I'm not in charge here. This is a real serious problem for Donald. He's living in a world right now where he is not in charge. He's not making the rules and anything and everything that he says from that moment on can be used against him in a court of law. So you may want to put aside your bullshit belief that the court of public opinion matters. It does not. Alvin Bragg and his team will prosecute this case based upon the facts and the evidence. 
and it is their belief, as Alvin Bragg said in his statement, it is his belief that he has a legitimate case that he believes he can prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And Cohen, you've seen that look before on Donald Trump's face. Like, and, and pull it up one more time there, Salty, as he was exiting, because, I mean, to me, <laughs> he's looking. He thought that was going to be the moment, though, where he was triumphant. And it was at that moment right there where I think, I know reality may have set in before, but things got really real, I think, at that moment. And, you know, my theory of, of Trump always is, and it's about a lot of these authoritarians who kind of wear their pathology on their sleeve or these malignant narcissists, if, if you actually stand up and push back, they back down. And, you know, these kind of sycophantic MAGA Republicans who refuse to stand up to this idiocracy, to this malignant narcissist um, who causes such grave destruction when you really break him down. He's so easy to break down. <laughs> what, what, what do you make before going into the courtroom, though? That look, that was fear. That's, that was the that's, a, that's a interesting look. That's not just a single type of a look. That's not just the look of fear. That's the look of fear, loss of control, as well as the fear of anger, of real anger. He was trying, believe it or not, to project that anger right, solely for that picture, knowing what he's doing, that that picture would end up getting posted and used, that he's, as you said, that he's triumphant, that he's walking in there, you know, brave and flexing his muscles. That's not the look of somebody who's going in believing that they're going to be triumphant. He knows what's waiting for him on the other side of that door. And again, it's lack of control, fear of the system, because he knows the truth, and he knows that the prosecutors have a significant, significant um, amount of information that he now is going to have to confront. So all of his biggest and worst fears have now, in that one specific moment, have now all <laughs> encircled him, and he's now understanding the reality. So then the indictment gets unsealed, the statement of facts is released. We'll go over that in just a few moments. But inside the courtroom, there is a still photographer. And so we see the image of Joe Takapina, Susan Necklace, Donald Trump's entire legal team uh, is, uh, is Boris Epstein. Um, they're all sitting there. You see the NYPD officers behind them. The arraignment uh, takes place. Uh, MSNBC, there are some of the photos that were taken of Donald Trump. MSNBC had a reporter who was in the courtroom. And I, I want to play for you this clip where uh, the reporter talks about how Judge Juan Mershon was uh, expressed grave concern about the posts that Donald Trump's been making, the threats to the district attorney. The district attorney's office brings that up to Judge Mershon. Then Donald Trump's lawyers say, oh, no, this is a First Amendment issue. We're just exercising our right to free speech. And then Judge Juan Mershon says, I'm very concerned about those posts. Here's the reporter who was in the courtroom uh, talking about what was going down. Let's play this clip. 
The prosecutor went on to say that Mr. Trump has made recent threatening emails and speeches, both directed at New York City, the courts here in New York, the justice system, and the district attorney's office. He said that these are irresponsible social media posts that threaten death and destruction and even World War III. He said that these public statements to the district attorney, which included a photo of him swinging a baseball bat towards the district attorney's head, was very concerning. They're concerned about this and what effect it will have on potential jurors and witnesses, but they said that this will not dissuade the office, and they're seeking a protective order regarding discovery materials. They're very concerned that some of the attorneys or some of this may be leaked or that President Trump himself would use some of that discovery in a way that would compromise the potential trial. They began discussing conditions of release. They talked about how defense attorney Joe Tacopina had communications with Stormy Daniels, and that could present a conflict. In response, Todd Blanche, representing Mr. Trump, said that the people just spoke for 10 minutes. They haven't seen discovery. They talk about Michael Cohen, and Michael Cohen has been standing on the steps of this courthouse. Material that will be relevant in the trial, Mr. Trump has—sorry, I'm just being moved here. They say that Mr. Trump has responded forcefully and clearly. He's very upset. He's frustrated, and he believes that this is an injustice. The hearing is going on right now. The judge said that he's taking the rhetoric and the language he's using, and he's very concerned about it. Blanche then said, well, this is free speech. He talked about the investigator, Mark Pomerantz, who wrote specifics. I'm going to have to talk back to you, Lester. So there's no gag order that was issued, but you heard that that reporter, I think, did a very good job recounting what was said. He's a fabulous journalist and a reporter from MSNBC. I know him. He's very balanced. I want to say this to you, not to cut you off, but I love the fact, once again, that their goal is simply just to muddy up my name, my reputation, keep moving on with this lie and this stupidity. Oh, Cohen is a convicted perjurer and so on. It's just not going to work for them. And the funny thing is, you know, they say that about, you know, what's the definition of insanity? And that's to know what you're doing is wrong and to keep doing it over and over and over again. And that's exactly what they're doing. They will continue to keep trying to hammer that message, thinking that that's going to prevent the district attorney or the prosecutors in this case from calling me as a witness. I don't know why they think that that's going to work. I think they need to worry more about the specifics of the case. Now, one of the things, again, that they do is they say, well, Michael Cohen was standing on these steps and he was discussing the specifics of the case. As you, my brigaders, know very well, and we've now been at this here for, what, about two months now. It's almost two full months. I've never turned around and talked about any of the specific questions, any of the specific documents, any of the specific charges that I was questioned on. And I still won't do that to this day. On top of that, I still 
when I was standing on those steps, I still refused to say anything about the case other than how long I was in that room for, whether or not the fact that I did truly appreciate the um, conversation and the interviews with a very highly skilled group of individuals. I was pleased about that. So nothing that I said should have risen to the level where Donald Trump would then pick up a baseball bat towards a photo of District Attorney Alvin Bragg. And in order to exonerate himself from what he ultimately realized was stupid, but he realized that even if he took it down, that would only make him look more guilty, he comes up with some nonsensical bullshit about he was holding this baseball bat to show off Made in America. Now, I'm not really sure how that would apply to a baseball bat and how it would apply to a photo of Alvin Bragg or anything else. But what was amazing is that I believe it was uh, Taco Pina over there, the genius legal beagle that he is, decided in a press conference that he was going to espouse the same stupid response that Donald gave simply because he knows by doing that, Donald can't get angry at him again, which we all know that Donald was furious at him when he turned around and he acknowledged that, okay, so Donald lied. It doesn't make a difference. Who cares? What's the difference? There's a few times that Takapina went ahead and he actually implicated his client. And this is not good. However, Donald's in a very rough situation himself because he has no legitimate legal team. Okay, great. He brought on this guy, Blanche. And Blanche, I believe, is the lawyer that represented Manafort. But the fact that you have Boris Epstein that's sitting there, who it, he may as well have Alina Habba sitting at the desk as well. <laughs> I mean, he may as well have Rudy Cooley, drunken Giuliani, sitting there with a bottle of wine. Who knows, right? It doesn't make a difference. He doesn't have the ability to get people. I know that he went to several, and I know one of them for personally. He went to a very, very um, prestigious firm in order to ask them to represent him in this matter. And they turned around and they said, I'm terribly sorry, we can't do it. We respectfully decline your request. I mean, you're talking about a big, a big firm. Who wouldn't want to represent the former president? Well, Basically, every single major <laughs> law firm out there, right, number one, they know that he's an impossible client to deal with. Two, I think that they have some real um, real concerns about this case in terms of the outcome. And three, you know that you're not even going to get paid. So what's the point? Cohen, I want to get your reaction to something you mentioned, Takapina, that he said outside in the courtroom after the hearing. Um, and it's typical kind of Takapina nonsense. Um, I want to play that, but first let's just take a quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with a push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. 
And here's something cool. My wife, she recently started gardening, and we've been able to use the scraps of dirt to help fill her garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week, I had my in-laws over for dinner, and the food cleanup was a breeze. Plus, they think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact, or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com beat and use the promo code beat to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com beat and use promo code beat at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. And now back to the video. We're back live here on Political Beatdown. Cohen, this is what Takapina said after the arraignment. I'm going to play it for you now and then get your comment. President not use language. He requested that everybody involved refrain from using language that's inappropriate. And by the way, that includes, that includes the witnesses, the witnesses for the people. who are talking just but as much as... it also includes the former president swinging a baseball bat at the head of the Manhattan DA. Well, I don't know where you got that, because if that you... That was a tweet that was, by the former president. That, you know, it wasn't. And first of all, first of all, first of all, that picture was not him swinging a baseball bat. I mean, if you want to distort the facts, go right ahead. I want to address that. Yes, it is. He wasn't swinging a baseball bat at anyone's head. That was a picture of him showing off an American-made bat. Someone else put a picture of the district attorney next to him and in an article posted that. That's Wait, not his article, that's not his photos. He's using language that incites... Guys, here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the insufficiency of this case. And I w- He was showing an American baseball bat. Ridiculous. Yeah, look, <laughs> what did you expect them to do? You expect them to tell the truth? You expect, you know, the folks that are around him? Takapina doesn't want to get fired again. Uh, and so, look, he's going to parrot Donald any way that he can in order to show Donald, I'm on your side, I'm fighting for you, because that's just what you have to do when you work for Donald. And trust me, nobody knows that shit better than I do. That's what you do. You, you follow Donald's lead. And again, Takapina and Blanche and the rest of the, you know, crackerjack barrel of counsel. It doesn't make a difference what they say. The fact that the press is even entertaining comments <laughs> from them, it's merely just to fill the airwaves. And most of it is bullshit anyway. Who cares? They're not the ones that are going to be making a decision. It's going to be a jury. It's going to be the judge. And it's going to be all predicated upon the facts the documentary evidence that will be presented before the judge and the jury, not based upon what any one of these yokos decide to say. It doesn't matter. They're just basically spewing shit in order to keep their job, which, by the way, if you remember, like, for example, with Jeffrey Berman, it's one of the things he said in his own book, the former head of the Southern District of New York. He did just enough in order to appease Trump so that, he wouldn't lose his job, that he wouldn't be fired. It's the same thing here. And the funny, you know, 
even the even that lawyer Blanche, I think that's who it was, who was next to Takapina. Even he's laughing. This isn't a funny matter. I don't find it funny. I find it sad and pathetic. I find it sad and pathetic that they can't even tell the truth. Okay, he put up a stupid picture. All right, and he won't do it again. No problem. But with Donald, there is never a time, and there's nobody out there that can show where he went on and he said, "Yep, I made a mistake. I apologize for it. I, you know, I'll never do it again." So on and so forth. Because yep. Donald Trump, in his own mind, believes, and it's again a narcissistic sociopath, that he is incapable of error. He can do no wrong, which is again like what I said last time we were together, Ben, that. When he was sitting there talking about the Bible, and they asked him, have you ever apologized to God for anything? And he said, no, I've never done anything wrong. Well, maybe you ought to start thinking about some of the things that you have done wrong and to the people that you've done wrong to. And look, I can tell you, I've been the subject of quite a few of these untruth social posts that he puts out there where he targets me. And I have to tell you, it's not, a ple it's not pleasant at all. You know, there are enough people out there that will look to figure out how to how to hurt you, how to ruin your life, you know, how to do things in order to stop you. Because for some reason, they think that they need to protect Donald as well. And that's what I think that the judge was trying to intimate to him that you know, you're going to start to be or you're going to continue to behave in the manner to which that you have be, been behaving. It's not going to stand in my in my courtroom, and it's certainly not going to stand if the attack is against the judge or the prosecutors or any of the witnesses. So let's see how he decides to continue to attack, you know, to attack us. They're just like going to attack me by saying, keep saying my testimony is no good. Hey, do you all remember when that other dope Bob Costello got out there in front of a mic and decided to turn around and to tell the world again, appealing to court of public opinion that he just completely destroyed Michael Cohen six hours or five plus hours of testimony before the grand jury and that in his opinion more than 50 percent likely that the district attorney isn't even going to bring a case at all is not going to indict Donald that you know I'm a convicted liar therefore nothing that I said can be you know held um, held up as truth or accurate well I think the facts of today have have or if they have not in your mind, they should have changed this constant, um, you know, continuation of name calling, especially against me for this convicted perjurer. That's a Donald Trump line. No different than it was little Marco, Lion Ted, Crooked Hillary, low energy Jeb or the other countless names that he gives to people who he is afraid of. As Trump's lawyers were spewing, uh, to use your words, and I agree with it, spewing shit out there, and as Judge Juan Mershon was also admonishing Donald Trump about these threats, you had Don Jr., Eric, and Marjorie Taylor Greene all posting photos of Judge Juan Mershon's daughter. The judge's daughter, they posted photos. We are, of course, redacting the images. But Breitbart wrote a story about the judge's daughter and Don Jr., Eric, Marjorie Taylor Greene all posted it, obviously, as part of their stochastic, terroristic 
uh, intentions. And Don Jr. says, seems relevant. Let's put it back up one more time. Seems relevant. Yet another connection in this handpicked Democrat show trial. The BS never ends, folks. And it says the daughter of judge on Trump case worked on Biden-Harris campaign. And there is a photo of the judge's daughter, obviously targeting Judge Juan Mershon's daughter. Because this is, they have a very simple stochastic terroristic playbook of what they do. And it's, let's just post on social media. And for MAGA Republicans, that works. That that intimidates them. That ruins their own view of their own domestic. Ben, I have to, I, and I got to tell you, my buddy, um, as I've said, I've been on the other side of whether it was Twitter before he got kicked off or uh, on his untrue social platform. And it will rattle you. Don't get me. Don't get me wrong. There are yeah. enough people that follow dear old Donald that, you know, they then start targeting your social media. They start calling you in the middle of the night. They do all sorts of yep. things. Um, you know, they call you relatives. They call anybody that has a connection to you. And they really do disrupt your life. They turn your life upside down. But there's also, again, the latent fear of somebody, you know, acting stupid. For example, a baseball bat to a photo. And I have to give this judge a lot of credit. He's not standing for this bullshit. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to end well for Donald and his team. A post like what Don Jr. just put out really goes to show you how unhinged they all are as, you know, as a family and as an inner circle around Donald. If you were not concerned about this, you would not be targeting the daughter, right, of yeah. the judge that's on this case. I don't care what you say. First of all, you know, he has children to it. He wants that to happen to his kid. They don't think because right now they are all just wild-eyed and unhinged. And they're unhinged because they're watching Donald become unhinged. And they're watching and having to unfortunately deal with the anger that emanates from this scenario in his life. Remember, Donald will blame anyone and everyone for everything other than, uh, you know, except for himself. This has already been pushed on to a hundred different people. This is your fault, your fault, your fault. Rest assured, this is a Donald issue. And Donald is the one that had to stand today before the judge, looking up at the judge with no control over anything and having to respond to questions about innocence or guilt to 34, you know, allegations. And yep. that's an uncomfortable place for him to be. 34 felony counts, including conspiracy. The indictment has been unsealed. So uh, we have the indictment. And again, I know there's you're very limited in what you can talk about, of course, but let's just pull up, if we can, a copy of the uh, indictment, um, and then we can pull over a uh, copy of the uh, statement of facts. But, you know, you see right there, Michael Cohen, in the very first paragraph, uh, it talks about how the defendant in the county of New York and elsewhere 
on or about February 14, 2017, with the intent to defraud and intent to commit another crime and aid and conceal the commission thereof, made and caused a false entry in the business records of an enterprise to wit an invoice from Michael Cohen dated February 14, 2017, marked as a record of the Donald J. Trump revocable trust and kept and maintained by the Trump organization. So right there in the very first paragraph, your name is in that indictment that was unsealed. Uh, how much can, again, I don't want to push you to say things that you obviously can't, but what can you talk about with this 34-page uh, indictment? Well, the 34-count indictment. You know, I, I will say one thing, though. Um, I, again, listening on the radio to various different pundits, I'm not under the impression that there was a conspiracy charge here. Um, you know, I have not had a chance to actually look through uh, the document and to dissect it. But what I, what I will just say, and I've said this before, but I think it's definitely worth repeating. Alvin Bragg is no joke. And the prosecutorial team that he has placed on this case are as good as any. And when I had met, you know, 13 times or so with the previous team, and I'm referring to Mark Pomerantz, Carrie Dunn, and their team, I didn't think that this team could be as competent and as knowledgeable um, on the facts. And I stand corrected, and I've said that several times. They are as good as any prosecutorial team that I have ever come across uh, in my career. And so, rest assured, we all know what this defense team is going to do. Their only out is to delay this as long as humanly possible in hopes that they can stall this thing because it will fall somewhere close to campaign season. And then, of course, I'll make the argument that this is all to keep him out of the campaign. He's the leading Republican candidate, blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to pray to God, even though he's not a religious man, that he wins. Because by winning, that's about the only way that he's going to put an end to this case. I do then just want to couple to that. Something that really irks the living shit out of me. And that's listening to, again, these fucking pundits that decide that they want to they want to categorize which case that Donald is looking at should go first, second, third, fourth, which is the most important. And I will acknowledge that the January 6th seditious conspiracy is certainly a very significant and much more significant than this specific case. And we could even make the same argument for the Fannie Willis, Georgia case by the DA there um, for trying to overturn a free and fair election. Yes, that is also extremely significant and more so than this case. And we could even go with the stolen documents that, you know, he was storing at Mar-a-Lardo uh, and, and elsewhere. Yes, I will acknowledge having stolen documents marked top secret is certainly more significant. But why are we doing that? What, this isn't a horse race. This isn't a trifecta to pick 
one, two, three. I mean, for God's sakes, if there is a crime that the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, in this specific case, believes that he could present to a juror, you know, to a jury and obtain a conviction because there is a crime, then it's his prerogative when he determines, not me, not you, not them, certainly not these asshole pundits. It's not it's not your decision which one should or should not go forward. And just because this case went first doesn't mean that next week the Fonnie Willis, the DA case in Georgia and Fulton County case doesn't come next. And who knows, maybe two weeks after that, one of Jack Smith's two cases or maybe both. We don't know the answers to these, but you don't stop one investigation or one indictment simply because you don't think that it's significant enough. I mean, that's just bullshit. And it's stupid because I promise you, if you were being charged with that, you would not get the same treatment that he's getting and you would be charged with it. So when Takapino or anybody else wants to opine that this is only happening because it's Donald Trump and that this is the, the, the left, the radical left going against the Democrats and I'm sorry, the radical left going against the Republicans and just the Democrats going against well, who they perceive to be, you know, their their biggest um, concern against a potential, you know, Joe Biden uh, re-election. It's all nonsense. It's mere speculation. It's mere bullshit. It's just, again, they're, you know, it's just hyperbole. And then listening to a slew of these members of Congress, the Republican members of Congress fighting on Donald Trump's behalf. This is horrible that this is never should have it should never happen that you know this would never happen if it wasn't that it was donald trump you know i love all of the fake anger and all of the the fake frustration that they are now demonstrating i'm dying to know where they were when an american citizen was unconstitutionally remanded back to prison because their fuhrer the supreme leader the monarch the dictator the autocratic wannabe was concerned about a book that would be that was coming out that would be critical of him. All right. That's called dear old Donald. That's called weaponization of the Justice Department. And the fact that anybody dares to put Bill Barr on television and that they just give him a platform to speak without asking him a question regarding the weaponization of the Justice Department and how he side by side with Donald Trump were working to overthrow our country while simultaneously destroying our constitution. That's the question that Bill Barr needs to answer, not the question of whether or not he told Donald that he lost it, you know, um, when they announced, um, you know, Arizona or wherever it was. I mean, that's just complete and utter bullshit. And this stuff sort of has to stop. And here's the thing with people like Bill Barr, you know, they're so steeped in their privilege, right, that they never think it's going to happen to them, right? If I just support this, they, Donald Trump will never come after me. But just look what Donald Trump, I mean, look, Bill Barr covered for Donald Trump. Bill Barr is not there to protect Donald Trump anymore and did all of Donald Trump's dirty work for him, his criminal work for him, weaponized the DOJ, attacked Donald Trump's Anyone who Donald Trump was worried about would actually tell the truth, like you and others. Look, this is what Donald Trump just posted today. 
on his social media platform. He goes, why does Fox keep putting on Bill Barr? As attorney general, he was a complete coward who was absolutely petrified of being impeached, which the Democrats threatened to do until he became their virtual slave and refused to investigate and prosecute the massive election fraud that took place in the 2020 presidential election. He's calling Bill Barr the Democrats' virtual slave. One other point I want to make, Cohen, is that you are 100% right, 34 counts of falsifying business records. It alleges in the statement of facts, which will pull up an underlying scheme, which is where there was some confusion when it was reported by certain media outlets that there was a conspiracy charge. But if you go into paragraph two, it says from August 2015 to December 2017, the defendant Donald Trump orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress its publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects. In order to execute the unlawful scheme, the participants violated election laws and made and caused false entries in the business records of various entities in New York. The participants also took steps that mischaracterized for tax purposes the true nature of the payments made in furtherance of the scheme, one component of the scheme, and it goes on and on and on. So, so Cohen, as, as we wrap up this episode, though, just generally, um, big historic day, um, but also a day where your name's, your name's mentioned, you know, you're obviously a critical, if not the key witness here. You met with the Manhattan District Attorney more than, you know, 20 times. You testified before uh, the grand jury. You know, I personally want to applaud your courage. I, I know you're humble. I believe you are an American hero and history is going to remember everything that you did in such an important way. And I know you don't think that way about yourself, but on behalf of all the Midas Mighty out there, I want to say it anyway, but I want to give you the final word generally, just how are you doing today, Michael Cohen? Yeah, like, like I said, it's, it's a tough day. Um, you know, it's not just tough on me, it's tough on my family. Uh, and so, you know, we're just trying to absorb it all, just like everybody, you know, we're the same as everybody. We're just trying to absorb what's going on in this country. Um, Yes, I do want to see justice. Yes, I do want to see accountability. Um, I've made it crystal clear that I don't want to see Donald Trump indicted, you know, prosecuted or uh, incarcerated because, let's say, I fundamentally disagree with him or I don't personally like him. Um, you know, that's not a reason for somebody to want to see the process, the, you know, thrown at somebody. It's a horrible process and it doesn't get any better. Um, I want him to be indicted, prosecuted and charged for crimes that, you know, alleged crimes that he, you know, is charged with that a jury of his peers finds him accountable for. That's it. It's a matter of accountability. And if it swings the other way, well, so be it. It, it, is, it is what it is. Uh, I believe that the DA's case, and I've said this all along, is extremely strong. I was, I've said it when people wanted to attack me and question you know, everything that there is about me. The reason why I say that I have anxiety from this event today 
is because today, believe it or not, is probably going to be one of the easier days over the course of the next year until this case is finally heard. Uh, rest assured that Trump and his people, knowing the playbook as well as I do, will continue to come after me in any way that they can. Um, and, you know, it's not easy. You know, this is a lot of weight for the shoulders of just, you know, one person. But so far, you know, I've managed to keep standing.